On Wednesday, September the 18th, we posted this headline. DA won't prosecute Antonio Brown on rape accusations because of statute. We won't be talking about that story in particular, but we're not done with Mr. Brown quite yet. That story just didn't happen to be one of the stories you posted as one of the most important ones, the top 10, if you will. So we will talk about the one that's the least important, number 207 this week, plus rounding out the ones that didn't quite make it from 11 through 15, and start off, of course, with the top 10 stories as per you in just a moment here on the wrap-up show from thisistheconversation.com with me, Jacob and Payne. This is a show for the week ending September 21st, 2019. And welcome to the podcast. If you're new to This Is a Conversation and the Wrap-Up Show podcast, thank you so much for choosing us. We have about an hour or so. We'll see how this thing goes, where we will give you the best stories from the best conversationalists. That's you guys out there. All the people in the world pick the stories, so I cannot talk about something that is not picked by you guys, which is why we're not talking about that one Antonio Brown story. But we have two other ones coming up. If you're not new to this show and you're hearing things that already sound a little different, thank you for putting up with the dust and all the construction we have going on. You know we're doing some changes to make some format issues to fix some of the timing stuff so that we're not going over an hour so often, going more or less closer to 45 minutes. And hopefully you will enjoy what's happening. You, of course, have been giving me feedback and telling me what's working, what's not working. Keep doing that. New guys as well. Send me emails directly at theconversationinbox at gmail.com. Now, let's go quickly into what this whole podcast is all about. We have, inside of the Conversation Project, living at thisistheconversation.com, are two social media feeds, one for Facebook, one for Twitter. And every 50 minutes or so, we post a link to a headline from various sources from around the world. We are looking for you to tell us which headlines, which stories, which conversations are worth having that aren't what's necessarily being pushed by mainstream media or news that you may like in general. So as a headline comes down the list, you like it, you love it, you hate it, you you do what you do, the funny faces on it, you share it, you respond to the headline, you engage with the headline, and the higher the engagement that the headlines get, the higher the score to get at the end of the week. Friday mornings, we take the scores from Facebook and Twitter, we weigh them out and put them in a spreadsheet to get one raw score and two things from top to bottom. This week, the bottom is story 207, and we'll talk about what that story is and how far away it was from the top story in just a bit. We will also go through what we call rounding out the top 15 to show you what stories didn't quite make it and why they may not have quite made it but where they basically ranked right outside the fringe but the most important stories coming up in mere moments is going to be the stories about the top 10 counting down from 10 to 1 the stories that you told us were the most important stories of the week as we said follow us on facebook at this is a conversation and twitter th underscore conversation and that way you get your votes in and then we wrap it up with this show and of course you can find all the links to all the stories we're talking about at the website this is a conversation.com it's for the podcast listing for this week this is the podcast for the week ending september the 21st 2019 let's go ahead and get into the stories right now starting off the story in the number 10 spot this week And that story, unfortunately, kicks us off in a very somber note. The headline for number 10, an Alabama police officer died in the line of duty. CNN.com is the source of this story. Tuesday, September the 17th is the day we posted it. Here is some lines from that story. An Alabama police officer was killed in the line of duty Monday night, the city of Tuscaloosa said. Officer Dornell Corsett, 40, died after exchanging gunfire with a suspect inside a house. 
Tuscaloosa Mayor Walt Madden said during a news conference attended by CNN affiliate WVTM. Cousette had been with the Tuscaloosa Police Department for more than 13 years. He was the father of two daughters and was engaged to be married, Maddox told WVTM. Quote, in our community, our heroes wear the police uniform of the Tuscaloosa Police Department. And tonight, one of our heroes has died in line of duty, protecting our city. Maddox said during the news conference, the officer's body was given a police escort to Montgomery to undergo an autopsy, according to WVTM. Every time you hear the phone ring, you hope that it's not this call. Mitt Tubbs, the department's interim police chief, told the affiliate. And unfortunately, today it was this call. The suspect who was injured during the incident has was wanted on a felony failure to appear warrant, Tubbs told the affiliate. Their condition is unknown at this time, the affiliate reported. The story was listed as developing. It was pretty quickly posted at after the incident happened. And so no updates to this particular link came up. So if we find more updates, we'll let you guys know as quickly as we can. Let's move on to what we have in the 9 and 8 spot, which are essentially a tie. We don't like to call them ties here. We like things to be split up where they are, not have a tie at number 9. So what we do is, if the raw score is tied, we have two separate different uh, different disclaimers to make them work out. And the next batch is going to the age of the story. And that means the story that's the youngest got there first is the higher ranking story. So we'll get to that one in the eight spot in a moment. But tied at the, the central tie with a story that has a bump of response from the number 10 story, which is 2.13%. That means that many more people responded to the story at the number 10 spot is this headline for number nine. World's oldest parents, both in intensive care after living twins. The story that we pulled it from was the New York Post. We posted on Saturday, September 14th. Here is a few lines from that story talking about this story that's um, gotten a lot of world attention for maybe the wrong reasons. Their newborn twins are fine, but not so for the world's oldest parents. Both are in intensive care. The couple from India, both in their 70s, had created an international stir back in September 5th when their baby girls, conceived through a donor egg and delivered by cesarean section, arrived full term and healthy. Not surprisingly, it's now the baby's elderly mom and dad who are not doing so well, the Times of London reports. And as the new parents, mom is 74, dad is 78, remain in the Indian ICU, new controversy is whirling in the already ethnically suspect case. The doctor who handled the pregnancy is insisting he was tricked into believing that the mom was in her 60s. Quote, It was only by chance after she conceived that her husband let out accidentally to one of the nurses her real age. That's what the doctor told the Times of London. I was livid. I'm sure he was. Mom has been in intensive care since delivery. Dad has, on the other hand, started out strong crowning the press release or crowding to the press hours after he and his wife became the first time parents. Uh, but of course, after that, he went to the ICU and has remained there ever since. Go deeper into this story by clicking on the link inside the website. This is a conversation.com. We have a link for all the stories we'll talk about in the podcast for this week's podcast link. This is the podcast for the week ending September 21st, 2019, of course. Uh, so check that out. You can go deeper into the story or search for it online. This is a story that is developing rather rapidly because the situation is extremely ethically challenged and just 
really, really odd for what's happening. We don't know the real motivations of this couple and why they went this route, why they decided to do this. This was not a person trying to have children for their own children. We, we, and in this case, since the parents are not doing so great, we may never actually know. The number eight, as we said, is a virtual tie with the number nine story, having a bumper response from the 10 of 2.13%, just slight. But it gets the ranking of being a little bit higher because it is a bit younger, got to that number first. We posted this one on Monday, or I guess second with less time, I should say. We posted this one on Monday, September the 16th, and with the headline, Colin Kaepernick, Nike ad wins Emmy for Outstanding Commercial. CNN's the source of this. So a few lines from that story. Here we go. Nike's gamble to partner with athlete-turned-activist Colin Kaepernick paid off Sunday as the company won an Emmy for Outstanding Commercial at the 2019 Creative Arts Emmy Awards. The commercial, titled Dream Crazy, featured Kaepernick alongside other sports legends, including Serena Williams and LeBron James, who have reached beyond the personal achievements to support and advance political and social causes. The ad was released in September 2018, days before the start of the NFL season. Kaepernick was one of the faces of Nike's 30th anniversary commemoration of its iconic Just Do It campaign. Despite some intense response to the ad, like people burning their Nike shoes and Missouri College dropping the brand, the company's stock hit an all-time high. Nike also gained tens of thousands of Instagram followers after announcing the campaign. Since the commercial aired on television around the world, Nike has released several other socially and politically charged ads featuring an array of athletes from different backgrounds. Most recently, Nike partnered with the Toronto Raptors in the release of a team-branded hijab for Muslim women athletes. That's the story there on that story. Congratulations for Nike and Colin Kaepernick for winning the ad. If you don't want to give love to the team, the the company, or the player, then you're free to do that. Let's discuss it inside of social media or email me at theconversationinbox at gmail.com and we can talk about this one in much deeper detail because this is about having the biggest conversations and the best conversations with people who want to have them. The story listed at number seven this week, it's a bumper response from the eight and nine of 6.25%. We posted on Wednesday, September the 18th. I'm not going to read from this one. I'm going to kind of give you a quick explanation because this story has developed quite a bit and the updates we have didn't make it a range enough to add them into the scores here. So here's your headline and here comes a bit of commentary from me. Justin Trudeau wore brown face at 2001 Arabian Nights party while he taught at a private school, Canada's Liberal Party admits. This is a story that we got from Time.com. Well, this is sourced here. I'm sure if you watch any sort of news that, that goes any bit international, you've seen this all over the place, and you've seen even more. It started off with this one photo that was him in quote-unquote brown face. Brown face. It was, it was in black and white. They said brown face because he was supposedly being Aladdin. He was Arab, so it wasn't so much blackface. Uh, but the problem is he's done it way too many times, and at some point in time, he he just admitted he doesn't know how often he did that. With the excuse being he didn't realize how offensive it was in his younger age. He's uh, dressed up as Harry Belafonte in high school. Uh, he dressed up as various different pictures here are, show, are surfacing here or there over time between his I say late teens and late twenties. This happened when he was twenty nine years old, and of course it happened in. 2001. 
so the culture uh, appropriation thing notwithstanding, uh, this is an issue that should be a serious concern, more serious than some people are taking it, because this is a person who is leading a country, and this is a person who's up for re-election in a few months. Now, of course, we're in the middle of the cancel culture issue things right now, where people bring up things from way in the past uh, that should not matter so much these days, because people should have progressed, and they want to basically fire everybody. So that's an issue. You have to think about that. Is this a cancel culture thing here? I don't think so. This is something that maybe, well, he probably has learned very much from the incident, but it's it's a learning experience as opposed to a quote-unquote firing experience. This is something that he should live with forever and something he should be questioned about for quite some time. I don't think he should be losing his job unless Canada's already tired of him anyway. This is not the issue that should bring him down. Uh, if there's something else going on, not Canadian, we'll see what happens. But we will see if cancel culture will have an issue in Justin Trudeau's re-election as Prime Minister of Canada, or whether cancel culture is just going to just keep us all going pretty, pretty, pretty bad. For those of you new to the podcast, we used to have a segment where we handle the housekeeping issues inside of the show. All the things that were mathematically weird or some things that we had to do to make things fit. And we had it in a separate section. We're not doing that anymore. And for now on, we're just going to decide to explain it in real time and hopefully not get too confusing. Also, if you're new to this, you heard one story in the tease before of before the podcast. That was a story I said I won't talk about. Previously, we had three stories that were in the top 11 through 15 that we tease and we get to later. And so we'll talk about that in real time as well. And we're bringing it up now because of this. We talked about Antonio Brown in the tease with a story that we're not going to go into detail with that him not being charged with because of statutes in the sexual assault cases. We have two other stories to talk about, one of them in the top 15. So we'll get to that quite a bit down the line. This one right here made it into the number uh, five, six spot. And we made it a six spot. We made it left it by itself because the stories themselves were all pretty much separate stories. They didn't constitute the same story. If they would have been essentially the same story, we'd add them together and put them in map like there. So now that I've rambled on that too long, let's get to the actual meat of the story in the number six spot, which got a bump response from the five of 3.92%. We posted this one on Friday, September 13th, and this was big because the headline reads, Antonio Brown eligible to play for the England Patriots in NFL Week 2. USA Today is the source of this one, and because I spent so much time housekeeping, we know Antonio Brown played for the Patriots in Week 2. We know he made a big impact for the Patriots in Week 2. We know that after the game, he did not speak to the, the press. He walked out completely, which is a violation of the policy for the NFL. So he got a little fine for that. And because of what's transpiring right now, it looks like he's going to be all set to play for week three. This, the, there's not gonna, they're not going to charge him. The NFL did not put him on the non-exempt list. Things look like they're going, I'll say, okay for Mr. Brown right now. We'll talk more about this other story. We'll tell you what that is and, and we get to the running out the top 15. But for right now, number six story is taken up by Antonio Brown and his silliness, foolishness, seriousness has basically taken up the entire summer and very, very many weeks here in our podcast. The number five story involves an influencer on the Internet who I could care less about because I'm so far from her target demo. But she's been caught in a lie, a pretty serious lie, if you ask me. And this may cause some repercussions to some of the people that she's actually working for and her quote unquote earnings, which is the most important part of this thing. The headline is Danielle Cohn's dad says she's not really 15 years old. 
DailyDot.com's your place for this, our source for this. Thursday, September 19th, the day we posted this. So this one picked up a lot of steam very quickly uh, and enough to move it into the sixth spot by 0.67%, just slightly to make it out there. We'll reach a bit of this because, like I said, it's a subject I know little about because it's an influencer who's supposed to be 15. Apparently, she's not even that. The father of social media star Danielle Cohn said in a Facebook post on Tuesday that the YouTuber isn't 15 years old as advertised. Instead, he claimed that Cohn, who recently took part in a hoax in which she said she was married and pregnant, was actually 13. In his post, Dustin Cohn wrote he wanted, quote, to set things straight about my daughter Danielle Cohn because he's worried about her safety. Here's a quote. Danielle is 13. I have never liked Danielle being on social media, especially when she started at such an early age. But pageants and modeling and then musically, we're pushed to we've pushed on her. It was always a huge problem to me. I asked for it to stop immediately, which it didn't. We found Pinterest boards with her photos and I thought her I told her mom I was worried about pedophiles. We tried to take measures to stop it, but it didn't stop. Pictures now have gotten worse and worse. I am finally saying something on social media because people need to be held accountable. Cohn said he blamed social media companies, presumably Music.ly, which is now TikTok, Instagram, where she has amassed 3.7 million followers, and YouTube, 1.4 million subscribers. On YouTube, she writes that she's 15. Go deeper into the story and more of the words that uh, Father Cone is talking about, Daughter Cone, on this one uh, by going to the website, thisisaconversation.com, clicking on the link for this week's podcast. It's for the week ending September 21st, 2019. Now, this is a very serious topic, and this is something that I am dealing with right now because I have a currently seven-year-old who's in love with YouTube videos. And we monitor what she's watching so she's not watching anything too crazy. And if we see something that disturbs us, she is told not to watch them and she's doing a fairly good job of staying away from them which is awesome but there's plenty of trouble she could get herself into and plenty of things out there that are not so awesome which really scares me a lot because she believes she wants to do youtube videos and do things like that she's we'll see how far we let her go in that one but right now eight is and she's not even eight it's a little young for this and if this young lady started in her eights and is doing what she's doing now at 15, even though she's only 13, this should be disturbing to most of us. Some of us may see it as another sign of times. Some of us may see it as a sign of maybe some sort of end times coming a little earlier than we believe. The headline for the next story, Shane Gillis out at Saturday Night Live following racial homophobic slurs in podcasts. Posted to the sites on Monday, September the 16th, a bumper response of 2.5%, and the source is The Hollywood Reporter. I'll read you a bit from this and some small commentary in the back end. Comedian Shane Gillis won't be part of NBC's Saturday Night Live after coming under fire for using racial and homophobic slurs during a conversation on a podcast. Quote, after taking... After talking with Shane Gillis, we have decided that he will not be joining SNL, a show spokesperson said Monday on behalf of executive producer Lauren Michaels. We want SNL to have a variety of voices and points of view with the show, and we hired Shane on the strength of his talent as comedian and impressive audition for SNL. 
We were not aware of his prior remarks that have surfaced over the past few days. The language he used is offensive, hurtful, and unacceptable. We are sorry that we did not see these clips earlier and that our vetting process was not up to our standard. In an own statement on Twitter, and this is where the punchline of a comedian gets himself in trouble sometimes, Gillis said in part, Of course I wanted an opportunity to prove myself on SNL, but I understand it would be too much of a distraction. I respect the decision they made. I'm honestly grateful for the opportunity. I was always a mad TV guy anyway. Gillis, one of three new SNL cast members announced Thursday, can be heard using racial slur in a sense-leaded video from 2018 on YouTube channel called Matt and Shane's Secret Podcast. And you can go deeper into the actual racial slurs and the words he said by going to the link that we have for the story inside of our website, thisistheconversation.com. The link, of course, for all, all the stories we're talking about at this week's podcast, the podcast for the week ending September 21st, 2019. A bit of social commentary on this end. Remember, we're in an age where nothing goes away. Even things you delete on the internet can be saved by other people and are never really gone anyway because they're backed up somewhere. They're always backed up. Nothing you erase is actually really gone in the age of digital weirdness that we have here. So this is not so much about the cancel culture, which we already talked about earlier with Justin Trudeau. This is more about the actual nature of the digitized images. Trudeau's stuff was all more or less paper stuff that got transcribed. This is something from just about a year ago that he should have realized would get back to him because sometimes the funny things you say in this these time in this era, it's not allowed to be said. And that says a lot to our culture, the cancel culture in general, but that's what says a lot about the way we have progressed and what's going on. I actually did a podcast on this the, the last week about what you can say and how you get away with things about bad jokes in your speeches and how you have to make sure you know who you're speaking to because that bad joke might actually be offensive to the audience you weren't intending it to. In this case, uh, being funny for his friends in a podcast that apparently wasn't a big part for his actual reel for promoting himself turned out to be not so funny when members of the world and the cast and the, the producers of SNL decided to cancel Shane Gillis in this case. We'll see how it rolls on, whether he will recover, whether he'll get an actual better deal from someone, because sometimes the bad stuff like this actually comes up to a better deal from someone else willing to pay a little extra for dealing with it, because he may be an, a hot commodity, but not so much hot for the right reasons, but he might be worth the risk. This has been a week of one particular athlete being really bad, but athletes in general and, I guess, general people being bad. This story is a very, very sad one and very um, very disturbing one. So here's your, your warning ahead of time. The headline, MLB, Pirates Felipe Velasquez arrested for solicitation of child, posted on Tuesday, September the 13th, bumper response from the number four story of 28.05%. And this one is sourced from USA Today Sports. We're going to read you a few lines from this one. And like we said, this one is disturbing. So hang on there or skip ahead a couple minutes if this is one that you don't want to get into. Pittsburgh Pirates reliever Felipe Vasquez, I should say Vasquez, sorry, has been arrested for soliciting a child for sexual acts, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement said. FDLE, that's what they're called. Agents from the FDLE and Pennsylvania State Police took the 28-year-old Vasquez into custody in Pittsburgh on Tuesday morning on one count of soliciting a child for unlawful sexual conduct using 
computer services or devices, and one count of providing obscene material to minors. Vasquez is also facing four more charges. Westmore County PA said statutory assault, also unlawful contact with a minor, corruption of minors, and indecent assault of someone less than 16. Vasquez bail was denied Tuesday, and he is being held in the Algehany County Jail. He has extradition hearings scheduled for September 25th, according to court records. The FDLE said in this investigation began last month when agents became aware of a sexual relationship and a 13-year-old female victim who is now 15. The two continued having relationships over text messages, and the child received a video in July from Vasquez, quote, in which he is shown performing a sex act, unquote. The suspect also sent texts insinuating that the two would meet up after baseball season for sex. This is a very difficult article to read. In fact, I skipped over uh, some of the sections leading up to what what little I did do. So if it's one that you want to avoid, please avoid it. If it's one you want to get deeper into, the link, the full link to the story is at our website. Check it out there, and then you can discuss it with us further if you like to. The conversation inbox at gmail.com is our email address. You can discuss any story we have here anytime you want to to get deeper into it and take them offline, especially ones that are a bit disturbing. This is one that you guys made it all the way up here. As I say in all the promos, I don't write the news script. You write the news script. I just provide various stories out there. This is one that picked up a lot of steam very quickly and, of course, made it to the three spot this week. We have made it to the number two story this week. It is the top-ranking Twitter story this week. It gets a bump response of 68.10% from the number three story. That's how much hot it was. And this is one that is pretty hot and has lasted quite a lot bit of time because it's a story that is essentially a continuation of other stories that along these ilk headline removal of Confederate statues blocked by Charlottesville circuit court judge HuffPost is our source for this one. As I said, we posted this on Monday, the September 16th, and it's a top Twitter story for the day. I'll read you a little bit from this one and we'll go deeper into this discussion as well. A Virginia judge has blocked efforts by Charlottesville city leaders to remove the Confederate statues at the center of the deadly white supremacist violence in the city in 2017. Judge Richard Moore of Charlottesville Circuit Court ruled Friday that removing the statues of Confederate Generals Robert E. Lee would violate a state law protecting war memorials, the Daily Progress reported. Moore issued a permanent injunction to prevent the removal of both Lee's statue and also a separate monument to Confederate General Thomas Stonewall Jackson, which city leaders had also hoped to take down. The ruling marks the near end of a lawsuit that has dragged through the courts for more than two years. Charlottesville City Council voted in 2017 to remove the two statues, which they criticized as being vestiges of a racist time. The monuments erected in downtown Charlottesville in the 1920s during the Jim Crow era, quote, were part of a regime of city-sanctioned segregation that denied African-Americans equal access to government and public space. Attorneys for the city said in court filings earlier this year per New York Times. More from them. The fact that certain Charlottesville residents are unaware of the statue's history does not change the history or the messages being sent. So we're going to cut this off here, read more about it at the website. But this is something that is a very serious charge. I know I've said that a lot today, but this is a very serious charge. There is a reason to protect things like war memorials, things like that, that 
honor the dead from their wars. I have also stated very vocally that people who are putting up memorials honoring the Confederates are literally putting up monuments to the losers of a war. Uh, In the United States, the losers of the war and the fact that we're reaping the benefits from the winners actually winning and they're still harping about the losers is an issue that they have to deal with on their own, which is why we're having these issues. These statues put up not quite after the Civil War, but in the middle of Jim Crow times to remind folks that who were really in charge is a problem. And if a municipality says it's time to take them down, it's probably time to take them down. We'll, we'll, we will see how this thing plays out. This The story says it's basically the end run of this thing, but this thing is not quite over. We'll see exactly how it actually turns out. And now we get to the buzz, the fanfare, the joy that is the number one story as per you this week. Remember, all these stories are based on your feedback in the store, in the story listings, in the headlines we put in Twitter and Facebook. So you are the reason, you're the responsibility, and you are, of course, also the blame for what comes through here in the content. This week, this is one that freaked out a lot of folks as it's the top Facebook story. By leaps and bounds, this story gets a bump response from the number two story. The two story itself of 73.65%. From the number 10 story, the story about the Alabama police officer dying in a line of duty, its bump response is 334%. And from story number 207, not quite as outlandish as we have in, in the past weeks, but it does give a bump response of 3500 and 5%. That 5% is kind of important. Your headline for your number one story from this week, posted on Wednesday, September 18th, The Princess Bride Remake Idea Has People Crying Inconceivable. CNN.com is a source. We thank them for giving us this write-up and give you a couple lines from the outrage that came from the actual story. After Sony Pictures Entertainment Chief Executive, going to butcher this name, Tony Vincesquera, Mentioned the idea of the reboot to Variety in a profile on the film's executive producer, Norman Lear. People on Twitter were quick to respond. We have so many people coming to us saying, we want to remake this show or that show, Vincent Cuera said. Very famous people whose names I won't use, but they want to redo The Princess Bride. Carrie Uis, which I always butcher, uh, who plays the film's hero, Wesley, said it would be a shame to remake the 1987 comedy. There's a shortage of perfect movies in this world, he wrote in a tweet. It would be a pity to damage this one. Jamie Lee Curtis, who is married to the Princess Princess Bride actor Christopher Guest, had her own opinion. Oh, really? Well, I married the six-fingered man. Obviously why we have stayed together for 35 years, and there is only one Princess Bride, and it's William Goldman's and at Rob Reiner's, she wrote. Life is pain highest. Anyone who says differently is selling something. There you go. Seth Rogen assured a commenter who suggested he was behind a remake that he was not and would never consider it. I would never dare, he tweeted. Fans defended the original two, with many people crying outrage over the idea of a remake being suggested. So, if you were outraged by this story, which a lot of you were, you made it help come the top story for the week. Thank you so much for writing the script for me, because that's what we do here at The Conversation. We have the best conversations with the best conversation list. That is y'all out there where you tell us what the stories are. We need to talk about. You tell us 
what the headline news is, 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 should be, despite what the headline news you see on the mainstream media, on the websites, on the TV shows, on the cable networks all day long. We put out stories every 50 minutes onto our social media feeds on Facebook and Twitter, and you decide whether which ones are good enough by replying to them, telling us which are most engaging. Those are the ones that we talk about in conversation. So simply follow us on on Facebook at This Is A Conversation. You can follow us on, on Instagram there as well. And on Twitter at TH Conversation. And as you see the story headlines pop up, like them, love them, hate them, share them, respond to them. Do what you can do to be engaging. And the more engaging you are to a story, the higher it goes into score. And you get a story like this week, which a lot of people thought was inconceivable. And apparently it really is that somebody would even consider remaking something like The Princess Bride. Coming up in just a moment, we'll do some shout outs. We'll tell you about some people who gave us extra love in their liking, loving and sharing of their stories this week. And we'll talk about the story at the very bottom of the list, the one that should get no love. But we always give it a little bit of love. We call it the almost relevant story of the week. This one really is almost relevant. We'll talk about that in mere moments here on the wrap up show with Jay Cleveland Payne. This is brought to you by This is a Conversation. And this is coming to you for the week ending September 21st, 2019. Another week to sing the praises of Cloud Nine Living. What do you get from Cloud Nine Living? You get excursions, you get vacations, you get great experiences for a great dollar price. And the amazing thing about the way these things set up, you can set these things up and not even have your ideas set up. They have over 2,000 different experiences. And if you're not sure exactly what you want to do or when you want to do, you go to their website and buy a gift certificate. And if you go through our link at our website, you get an extra deal on that gift certificate. And here's the deal that you get regardless. They never expire. They never lose value. So you buy a gift certificate for $200. Let's just throw it out there. $200 gift certificate to give to a friend as a gift so they can have whatever excursion they feel like having. They can take as long as they want to to use that certificate to cash it in, and it will not lose value. It's not one of those things that after a year they start taking off you know, a dollar a day. This one will never lose value. You can have it for its full value for the rest of its life and used for the full deal. Now, if you actually go and subscribe for an actual excursion, you pay for something outright and you change your mind, you can exchange it for whatever other excursion at the same exact price value. It's that simple. They take good care of you on the excursions. They take good care of you for the financials of getting to excursions, and they will probably be one of your best 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 bets for gifts once you use them and see how people use them go to our link at this is a conversation.com slash cloud nine that's the numeral nine this is a conversation.com slash cloud nine and get an extra tick off your gift certificates get a little extra deal by buying gift certificates or just booking through our link at cloud nine living they take care of my family and our great vacations so that we can have separate vacations at the same time. My wife can do amazing excursions that are really exciting, and I can do really boring things on the other side of town. It works out for us. It may work out that way for you. Check them out. See what they have for you at Cloud9 Living.
Those of you veterans of the podcast know this is a spot where we normally have the housekeeping segments where we talk about all the math stuff and how things actually work inside of the podcast, especially when we have things this week like the tie and multiple Antonio Brown stories. We're going to kill that sort of vibes, that test segment, and move on and move things a little faster, a little quicker, and just explain things in real time. But you can see the full details on how things work out, the full breakdown at the website, thisisaconversation.com. In the meantime, we are shifting over the shout-outs early because we like to shout people out early, give them love, give them uh, hope, give them the the majestic knowledge that we're going to say their name on a podcast in the middle of the news segment. So people tend to like it. So we're going to keep that segment. Shout out to the people who gave us extra love inside of social media this week while they were liking, loving, hating and sharing things going on. Starting off with the Facebook page. Uh, shout outs to Don Parker, Tony Brown, Ruth Ann Miller. Uh, let me get this one. Um, Liberthian Daiso, which I totally butchered, but thank you so much. A newer name here. Also, Sean Unglingian, which I always butchered. That, of course, being Big O from the In the Black podcast. Adele Carnes also came in this week as well. And Michelle Carlton Emmons. Thank you so much for all of that. Moving over to the Twitter love, people who went to Twitter to give extra responses and likes, loves, and hates, and shares, and all those lives. I guess it's just likes and shares over there uh we have love from the tv cha- channeling podcast thank you so much andy salcrup rodriguez michael just michael Castbox, the uh the app that we are big fans of thanks so much Castbox, for liking a post we had also the wdim podcast albert latham claimcompanies.com not sure what the claim was but thank you so much for that one and um s-y-e-d-x which I'm not sure what that is, but thank you so much for liking a post. We, we enjoyed that part as well. Now, the second segment has always been home to the Almost Relevant Story of the Week, and that will continue until you tell me it should be otherwise. Now, why do we call it the Almost Relevant Story of the Week? We learned that by going through the listings from top 10 to all the way to the bottom, that the story at the very bottom is usually one that was posted late in the countdown, usually Thursday night or Friday morning as we got things going. And sometimes it was a point, a story that was fairly important that might have made a chance to make it going all the way through to the the top 10 going to the next week, but it's posting so late in the response usually means it's not going to make it there. And sometimes there's stories so nonsensical that you think, why did this thing make it there in the first place? And you understand exactly why it's at the bottom of the list. This week, we have a story that was posted late, i.e. early this morning, and was pretty nonsensical. So it fits on both counts. And it's pretty much a, a story that really doesn't make much point. But we're going to talk about it anyway because that's how the script works. Your headline is, Woman complains about painful new shoes. Turns out they're on the wrong feet. Lad Bible is the source for this story. Uh, as we said, posted this morning as we record this, Friday, September the 20th. And the only reference you get to how responsive it is, the number one story was 3,505% more responsive. Oh, 0.88 if that really makes a difference. Let's read you a couple lines from this story, and you can, of course, tell me that this was probably a waste of your time as well. A woman who spent a night out moaning about her painful new shoes realized the next day she was actually had them on the wrong feet. Ali McGee from Glasgow, was complaining to her pals that her shoes were hurting her feet and she was finding it hard to walk in them. It was only when she looked at some photos the next day when she spotted that she had been wearing them on the wrong feet the whole night. Fantastic. 
Now, in this situation, you might want to keep this little mix-up to yourself, but Ali, Ali's friend Georgia Henry had other plans and shared the funny situation on Twitter, which it quickly went viral. Sharing a photo of Matt's, her mate's feet, Georgia wrote, Ali was actually moaning the full night saying she couldn't walk in her shoes and only just realized this morning she was wearing them the wrong feet. This lassie man. You can see the link or the picture of the shoes and probably the pain that she probably suffered in them by going to our website, thisisaconversation.com, clicking the link for this week's podcast, which is, of course, for the week ending September 21st, 2019. And you, can, of course, can laugh with her, laugh at her, or laugh at me. Of course, if these stories do not interest you at all or maybe interest you way too much, we can conversate about that offline or on email. Email me at theconversationinbox at gmail.com. We can talk about any single story we have throughout the whole process. And, of course, links to every single story we talked about, and we'll have more to talk about in a moment, are at that website for the link for this week's podcast. In fact, five more stories to talk about. The five stories not quite in range for a top 10-ish. We'll tell you what they are and why they may or may not have made it in there in just a moment here on The Wrap-Up Show from thisisconversation.com. And this is the show for the week ending, as I've said, like, I think five times in the last 60 seconds, September 21st, 2019. This week's Spotlight Podcast, the 5-Minute Success Podcast, is actually 5-Minute Success the podcast. It's a podcast that is produced by a great lady, Karen Briscoe, about her books, the Five Minutes Success series of podcasts. So, Five Minutes of Success or Five Minutes Success, the podcast does not give you a five minute podcast for success. It's actually much longer than that because it takes much longer to get there. But her book series is Five Minute Success. So, bear with me on that one. But it is based around five key topics. Those topics are commit to great leads. Consult to sell, connect to build and grow, success thinking, activities and vision, and sweet spot of success. So if you're in the realm of sales or in the realms of just trying to sell yourself a little better, this podcast could be the one to help you get that edge. We are spotlighting this podcast this week by Karen Briscoe. It is called Five Five Minute Success, the podcast. And get it where you can, wherever your pods are cast. It's especially big on Stitcher, on Apple Podcasts, on Spreaker, on Spotify. Check those out as well, or basically any place you can find it, it's there. Or you can just go the long route and look to 5minutesuccess.com. That's number 5, 5minutesuccess.com. Find out about the books, find out about Karen, find out about the podcast. We are spotlighting 5 Minute Success, the podcast, for this week's Spotlight. For those of you familiar with the podcast, this is the point where we'd normally do the shout outs. Of course, we've already done the shout outs. We're doing a series of shifting things back and forth to make it work a little better and make the time work out much better. And you can let us know how well we're doing at the conversation inbox at gmail.com. If you're new to the program, then well, things may not sound so weird to you because you've never known how they sound before. Let us know how great they sound and what this still doesn't sound so odd 
or so great, still sounds odd, by letting us know at the same email address, conversationinbox at gmail.com. We're going to go ahead and wrap things up as we round out the top 15. This is the point where we go through stories 11 through 15, stories not quite in range for the top 10, obviously because they're 11 and up, but stories that were close. We'll give you some headlines and details on those and maybe why they didn't quite make it towards the end. Headline in the 11 spot this week is the second Antonio Brown story that's actually matters when we're going to talk about and that is nike drops antonio brown amid rape allegations and that was given to us by tmz the story was posted on thursday september the 19th and we're not going to give much context other than the ranking here because at this point it doesn't really matter where it stands out it's just these are stories that aren't quite there we may give you some insight this one was a very close one and it probably would have gotten more time if we had a couple more hours to get more response into it in fact this one probably would be a fairly strong one for next week's podcast if it went thursday to thursday but it goes friday to friday so the cutoff was extremely quick on this one so what you have is a story that barely made it into the 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 podcast this week, but didn't quite make it into the pure countdown we're keeping an eye on. The story is as simple as that. Because of all the craziness around Antonio Brown right now, he lost an endorser. So far, just one endorser. That is Nike dropping him from endorsements as of this moment. We'll see what happens as this thing continues to snowball, whether he gets another grand endorsement or he just loses more or what happened. We'll figure out what's going to happen on this one down the line. At number 12 spot, we have Georgia's Wear Pink for Wendy campaign is a big success. Saturday, September 14th is the date this was posted, and this came from Saturday Down South. That's where we got the link from. But this was a big story, and this one actually hits home for me because it, it involves a school, a university here, a university here in Arkansas. The university my son actually went to, uh, Arkansas State University. Now, the short answer, the short description what goes on is Blake Anderson's the head coach for the Arkansas State University Red Wolves, where he had football coach. And a few weeks ago, he lost his wife to a long battle of cancer. And there have been a lot of things going on here in the state, a lot of things going on inside the conference that he is in, the Sunbelt Conference, uh, to kind of give him uh, props and prop him up in a sense. What's really awesome about this is Scott Van Pelt of ESPN's the very late night Sports Center fame put out a challenge to the fans of the Georgia Bulldogs, Georgia in the SEC, but Georgia hosting Arkansas State, the Red Wolves, uh, basically, you know, the the classic big time team taking on the smaller team so they can get a bigger paycheck. This is what it was supposed to be, although Arkansas State, fairly good team. And the challenge was for the the folks, the st- people in the stands, people attending the game, to show their support for Blake Anderson, what he's going through, and to show up wearing pink. And they did in droves. And they sent lots of messages, lots of tweets, lots of Facebook messages, lots of responses to Blake Anderson going through uh, for what he has went through. And he said he definitely appreciated it. That story, a big heartwarming story that I that's close to home, literally close to home here where I am in Little Rock, Arkansas. And it came in number 12 this week. Number 13, a story that got a lot more love, a lot more attention than I thought it would. It was posted more or less as a filler story because it was something that I didn't think I basically needed to fill some stories in. I didn't think it was going to gain much traction. Over a long span of days, it gained plenty of traction, and it lasted almost a full week for responses. Black transgender woman B. Love Slater found burned to death. CBS News is the source, so... 
legit news source. You may disagree, but we think it is legit. So the story didn't come from some sort of gossip thing or a blog thing. This is a real live story. And as I have said, this one lasted a lot longer in the raw data, just kind of trending as I could see. Didn't quite make it towards the end to stay in the top 10, but it was pretty darn close. I'm going to read you a few lines from this one, just a few, so you get the sense of what the story was about. The body of a black transgender woman was recovered from a torched car in Houston, Florida last week. According to Human Rights Campaign, B. Love Slater is the 18th transgender woman to be killed in 2019. Hendry County investigators identified 23-year-old Slater several days after recovering her body from her burned vehicle. CBS Fort Myers affiliate WINK reports. Captain Susie Harrell said the body was burned beyond recognition. The investigation is ongoing, and the sheriff's office said it could be could not be confirmed as a hate crime until a clear motive is found. But Love's best friend, Kennard Wade, said Slater was targeted as a member of the LGBTQ community. According to Wade, Slater had received threats the night of the fire. She told him over text that she wanted to leave town to avoid trouble. Slater's death highlights an ongoing trend of violence against transgender people. Slater is the 18th known transgender woman to be murdered this year. The HRC said last year, at least 26 transgender people were killed. 2017, the number reaches a record high of at least 29 deaths. More details inside of the story at the website. This is the and the link for the stories, all the stories listed at the website link for this week's podcast, September the 21st, 2019. Check it out and you can see go deeper into this story and any story we had posted this week. The story that ended up in the 14th spot is another story that was posted more or less because I need to fill a gap of time because we post a story every 50 minutes all day long, all night long. But what turned into a phenomena with the whole Popeye's chicken thing, or chicken sandwich thing specifically, turned into a big thing with this story, which is mostly serious but somewhat satire. Somewhat. The headline is, The Popeye's chicken sandwich is hurting military readiness. Saturday, September 14th today, this was posted as well. MilitaryTimes.com is the source. And the gist of the story is about the aftermath of the chicken tobacco from Popeye's. And this isn't the first time that a chain has come up with something that was supposed to be a great brand new special thing and run out of it because of uh, maybe false scarcity. Maybe it's the publicity stunt. Maybe they really were just better than they thought they were. But the chicken sandwich at Popeye's ran out uh, much, much earlier than they thought turning to people with long lines to get them, then long lines to find out they weren't there, then people showing up with buns to put their tenders into it. And this is more or less a satire because it doesn't cover just military, the military, but it does make a note that Chick-fil-A, which has a long, long, long reputation of long, long, long lines for people getting their sandwiches, uh, are not on military reservations, but on military installations for various reasons, including the fact that they're not open on Sundays. That's just one of the things that, although great for the public, not so great for a a readiness for a military base because, you know, they got to eat on Sunday too. So Popeye's is one that has been on many installations because of the chicken sandwich shortage. There've been many of real craziness going on in that state. And while I'd say this is mostly serious satire, it's a lot more on the funny side, stating some of the things, including people who have abandoned their cars and parking lots and people who have sued the chicken chain because they wanted their sandwich that they thought they were they were, you know, entitled to because it's in the Constitution or something like that. Final story for the week, number 15, is Bang Brothers claim bid for Heat's American Airlines Arena. 
MiamiHerald.com is the source of this one. Friday, September the 13th was on this one. And this is one I hoped so, so, so much would stick around. And it stuck around long enough for this one. So I'll give you a quick explanation on what's going on. The porn site Bang Brothers decided that they want to make a go at, you know, naming rights for an arena. What's currently known as American Airlines Arena in Miami, where the Heat play, could be known as the BNC or something like that. Bang Brothers said if they actually won the rights, they would not be Bang Brothers Arena. They would change it to something like that, a, a, a some sort of shortened version or some sort sort of just letters to denote who they were, and everyone else would just be in on the joke, just like PNC Park, because PNC stands for a longer bank name. But so far, we're not so sure on that. I believe the last bid they went up to was about $10 million. Uh, we'll see if somebody outbids them or so they just get outwashed because of just because people are afraid of having Bang Brothers Arena. Although I, for one, have no problem with the Miami Heat playing in a place called The Bang. It just sort of makes sense to me. And uh, although this made sense for you to make it into the top 15, it didn't make enough sense for it to be a top 10 story this week. And that is based on the response from all you guys. So if you want more stories like this one, or maybe even less stories like this one, it's up to you to upvote the stories that you love the best or like a little more or hate that much more. All you have to do is follow us on Facebook. This is a conversation.com. Follow us on Twitter at th underscore conversation.com. And when you see our stories in the feed, every 50 minutes or so, there'll be a new story. Like it, love it, hate it, share it, respond to it, engage with it. The more engagement a story gets, the higher the score it gets into the end of the week. And you get this full counting of everything from 1 to 10. And as you see in the batter hat ladder ends, we have the one at the very bottom and the ones that aren't quite in range and maybe why 11 through 15. Some of my more favorite ones are the ones that don't quite make it, which is why I keep trying to put this segment into the story. We'll see how long it stays because you're also get a chance to respond to what's working and what's not working in the podcast right now. Theconversationinbox.com is where you can talk to me about any single story we talk about, any story you think we should have talked about, and how you think the podcast went this week. Whether it's going on the better or on the worse, you want it longer, you want it shorter, you let us know in the emails. We'll conversate about it, and we'll see what we can do to fix it. The conversation here on the podcast and the website is powered by you. So we ask if you want to help power that, you can simply be a full-time sponsor of some sort by going to Patreon. Two routes can make that happen, either patreon.com slash thisistheconversation or thisistheconversation.com slash Patreon. There you go. You can also visit any of our sponsors, go to our website, or click the links in our podcast and inside of our newsletter and click the links there for the banner ads. They are all uh, they are all affiliate ads. So you buy a little something, we get a little help from there. And check out our main sponsor we spotlight this week, which is of course Cloud Nine Living. You see them at this is the conversation.com slash cloud nine and they will take good care of you and your excursion, whatever it is your fancy, whether extremely rad or really, really dull, they've got a great excursion that you'll love and check them out and take good care of you as well. Our podcast we spotlight this week is the five minute success podcast. 5minutesuccess.com for information on the book series and for the podcast. And of course, this podcast is really, really powered by you listening to it. So what we need you to do is make sure you are subscribed. And once you are subscribed, you need to spread the word to help as many people get in the conversation as possible. So find some friends, find some enemies, find random strangers and grab their phones and subscribe to it and hand it back to them. They will say thank you. They always do. 
trust me. This is the part where I let you know how to find me. Of course, we're going to talk about their email address, which is the conversation inbox at gmail.com. Directly email me at jclevenpain at gmail.com or check out my main website with all my crazy thoughts and ideas at jclevenpain.net. And this is where I say thank you three times and try to get out of here as quickly as possible. Never really works out that well. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you. We enjoy you. We hope you are loving, enjoying us. And we're thankful that you're putting up with the progress we're making. We see it as progress as we're tooling up the web the website and tooling up the podcast to make things a little bit more easier, a little less time consuming, and much more conversational. Let us know what we can do to fix it. And of course, be here next week and find out what you thought were the top stories of the week. Because as I say, I don't write the script, I don't set the rundown. You do. Your responses, your input, your engagement with the stories lets us know what stories are the tops. So you'll let us know for next week and we'll tot them down again, starting from 10 to 1 here on The Rapid Show, brought to you by This is the Conversation. And thank you so much for being here this week. <laughs>